and Nam Khan forests to the south. These areas had been held by the North Vietnamese for a generation. The reunion is a happy gathering of more than 300 members and their spouses. It is a proud unit holding numerous individual medals and presidential unit citations. This unit lost more than 50 souls in Vietnam. The Swifties are from all walks of life, admirals to aged hippies. They are from all parts of the nation, from all races, and from all political persuasions. They are united, however, by one common experience—service in Coastal Squadron 1 during the Vietnam War. Dan Daly, the master of ceremonies, introduces the many dignitaries in attendance. They are received with polite applause. But the Swifties who are introduced are met with cheers, and the marked enthusiasm that characterizes their brotherhood. Despite the span of thirty years, the memories and nostalgia of long ago—sadness, death, joy, and friendship—have not been forgotten. When it came time for Daly to recognize Senator John Kerry, present earlier that day, as the man who may be the next President of the United States, deafening silence followed. Even a single clap would have sounded like a cannon. Daly, embarrassed, said, I guess I laid an egg with that one. Carey had made a cameo appearance accompanied by a film crew and a corps of directors and assistants at an earlier outdoor event. Pushing aside various Swifties, Carey positioned himself dockside so he could be filmed on the restored PCF that was the centerpiece of the reunion. As was his habit, Carey ignored many of his fellow Swifties. He placed himself front and center for the camera shot pushing aside Swifties like Jack Chenoweth, an officer and one of the true heroes of the Rassman incident, which we will discuss in due course, and which Kerry later lied about in a $50 million ad campaign. One of Kerry's political aides singled out some Swifties to participate in his video. Most declined. After filming the cameo and allowing one or two snapshots to be taken dockside, Carey and his entourage disappeared, not bothering to attend a memorial service for the Swifties who had died in Vietnam. To many, Carey's conduct at the 2003 reunion seemed exactly in character. Carey's service in Vietnam had been devoted largely to his own self-interest at the cost of comradeship, honor, and tradition. So his staging a self-promotion video while ignoring a memorial service for dead comrades was not surprising. That day, the Swifties wondered whether the nation would ever be told about the real John Kerry, the Kerry of Vietnam, and the Kerry who led Vietnam veterans against the war. Swift Vets for Truth Press Conference, Washington, D.C., May 4, 2004 Nearly a year later, another gathering of the Swifties occurred. Led by their former commanding officer in Vietnam, Rear Admiral Roy Hoffman, the Swifties had written an open letter to John Kerry. This letter revealed that Kerry had misrepresented his service in Vietnam and lied about his claims of atrocities committed as a matter of policy by his unit and the American military. The letter labeled Kerry a liar and a fraud 
unfit to be the commander-in-chief of the United States Armed Forces, especially now in a time of terrible challenge to the nation. Remarkably, about 200 Swifties signed the letter. Fewer than 10% of those contacted declined to sign or indicated any support for Kerry's presidential campaign. The signers of the May 4, 2004 letter included almost every one of Kerry's commanders in Vietnam. Fifteen of the 23 officers who served with him in An Toi, where he claims to have been a hero, and a substantial majority of those who were with him during military operations. At the press conference, eighteen signers rose one by one to the microphone and stated before the cameras why they opposed Kerry. The speakers included Kerry's former commander, Grant Hibbard, who outlined Kerry's disingenuous application for the Purple Heart. Sailors Rich O'Mara, Steve Gardner, and Jim Steffies, who had served with Kerry, outlined his lies about purported war crimes in Vietnam. Officers such as Captain Bill Schumadine and Bob Elder were enraged by the falsehoods Kerry told about invented atrocities for his personal political gain once he had returned to the United States. Perhaps most moving was Joe Ponder, a disabled veteran who was badly wounded in a battle that Kerry's biography, Tour of Duty, wholly distorted, but which Ponder remembers vividly because of the battle wounds. Much of the pro-carry media, which routinely rotates a few token pro-carry veterans, simply ignored the press conference, focusing their attention instead on Kerry's new campaign aircraft and its technical components. Only C-SPAN covered the press conference honestly, broadcasting it in its entirety. War Remnants Museum, Ho Chi Minh City, May 28, 2004 Shortly before Memorial Day 2004, wandering through Ho Chi Minh City, Bill Lupetti came upon the War Remnants Museum, formerly known as the War Crimes Museum. Lupetti, a Navy corpsman, had been stationed in Vietnam from 1969 through 1970 and had treated many wounded Swift vets. He was a corpsman at An Toi, the same tiny base and unit in which both Kerry and O'Neill served. Lupetti had returned to Vietnam three decades later to try to piece together that part of his life, and to learn whether his Vietnamese friends had survived the North Vietnamese takeover and resulting bloodbath. In the museum, Lupetti found an exhibit dedicated to the world heroes whom the Vietnamese communists credited with helping win the resistance. Lupetti saw pictures of Chinese communist leaders, banners from left-wing extremists groups worldwide, photos of American radicals from the 1960s, posters and photos from anti-war demonstrations around the world, and signs from terrorist groups such as Fatah, a PLO fringe group. Lupetti's gaze came to focus on one particularly large photograph and celebratory inscription, he realized that he had seen the face before, for the first time more than thirty years ago. It was John Kerry, 
The Vietnamese photo of a 1993 meeting of Kerry and Vietnamese leaders, including the General Secretary of the Vietnamese Communist Party, Do Muoi, was to honor John Kerry's heroic contributions to the North Vietnamese victory. Lupetti photographed the Kerry picture on the wall, went to an internet cafe in Ho Chi Minh City, and immediately posted it on an online Swiftboat photo album maintained by Swifties. It can be seen in www.wintersoldier.com. This sequence of events, the 2003 Swiftboat Reunion, the Swift Boat Vets for the Truth press conference, and Bill Lupetti's discovery of the Kerry photo in the Communist War Museum in Ho Chi Minh City, raises a series of questions that we hope to answer in this book. What sort of combination of hypocrite and paradox is John Kerry? How can someone who, until recently, claimed he was a war criminal, who threw away his medals and supported the North Vietnamese with his words, who even met with enemy delegations in Paris while our soldiers were fighting and dying in the field, now switch sides to run as a hero of those he condemned as criminals in that war. Why is Kerry's support among his fellow Swifties limited to the handful of crewmen from his boat and a few others whom his campaign presents to the media? Why do an overwhelming majority of those who commanded or served with John Kerry oppose him? Why do the Vietnamese communists single him out for a position of honor, while those who fought at his side so uniformly condemn him? Why do the Swifties regard him as a man who would be a disastrous commander-in-chief? Who is the real John Kerry, and why do we say he is unfit for command? The answers...